today, uh, we're actually going to compare. It's going to be pretty simple, too, I think. We're going to compare Jesus preparing his disciples for his departure with a parent preparing uh, to leave their kids for the first time. Okay, so not everyone is a parent, um, but even kids will totally, everyone's going to understand this. Um, and it's also, it's like, when I looked into it, because I was like, all right, how much of this do I know and should I know as a parent? Um, and how many of these things were new? Most of them weren't very new, but when I looked at them and I was like, yeah, there's a couple of them that I didn't do real well. Um, so we'll see how you guys, how you guys did. Um, and if I remember this correct, I think the first time, Katie and I were talking about it, I think the first time that we left our kids was like for this, for one evening, was just for a couple hours, was my 10-year high school reunion, I think. Um, and so if I had known that my 10-year high school reunion was going to be as bad as it was, <laughs> we, we never would have gone. Like, it was like one of those things where I think we ate like chicken cordon bleu, which is that, is that the standard, is that the standard like prom or reunion meal? Um, and then everybody pretends that things are exactly like they were when you were in high school 10 years ago. Like, it, it just, that's so annoying. Like, if you go to a reunion, just take my advice. Don't do that. Like, things are not the same. So we just admit that. We move on, and everybody's different. And that should be fine, but it wasn't. I mean, it was just awful. Was our reu- my reunion was terrible, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, I had so much more fun at her 10-year reunion. I didn't know a single person there, and I had a blast at her reunion. Is that why? Yeah. I, mine was awful. Um, but I mean, I remember like this, this can be, you know, this is the context of reminded me of the context of today's scripture passage, which is the, which is Jesus's farewell discourse. All right. We get it. This is his, uh, his last night on earth. He's teaching his disciples, uh, and preparing them to be gone. And so Jesus is trying to parent, prepare him for what is life going to be like when I'm gone. And so it made me think about preparing kids, uh, for the first time that parents are going to be away from them. I can't remember the first overnight. Like, I was trying to remember this. I think, Kathy, I think they stayed with you um, on their first overnight, but I can't, for the life of me, like, I can't remember what the occasion was. You probably remember better than I do. Um, But this is what I started thinking about. Like, how do you prepare uh, kids? Does anyone remember, like, leaving their kids overnight for the first time? Has anyone had that experience? Do we remember it? Yeah, Debbie, do you remember that? Yeah. People remember? Anyone willing to share what that was like? Was it easy or hard? How about we stand? Yeah, Linda. What? Yeah. Gl- <laughs> okay, people have definitely different reactions. Yeah, different reactions. Was it, ter- was it scary for anybody? Yeah, a little bit scary? Oh, dropping them off at camp. Yeah. Did you sit in the parking lot and wait? <laughs> well, Darcy, what did you say? <laughs> oh yeah 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 all right that hurts a little that hurts a little I'm not gonna lie that hurt a, that hurts a little bit more than my hip hurts right now thank you but I totally understand trust me I get that um so like I was looking to the experts to see what do, what do people say about how do you best prepare to leave your kids for the first time best preparing your kids really we could deal about how to prepare the parents would be a different subject matter um, but here they are. So these, these are the things I found. It's like most of them are just these, like, especially number two made me mad. It's like, come on, Captain Obvious. You're going to leave your kids in the care of somebody that you don't trust? Anyway, well, we move beyond those ones pretty quickly. But there's a few that are pretty good. You want to talk about it ahead of time, they say. You want to pick a caregiver you completely trust. Don't prolong the goodbye. 
But you know, like some people do, they, they think that they'll just sneak out like the back door and not say anything. I'll just disappear and it'll be okay. Not okay. Like that's not okay. Um, then they say, you know, uh, leaves, this is, this was the, my favorite thing. They say, leave something thoughtful behind like a note or a gift or something that your, your kid's going to discover. Um, hey, Scotty, things that you're going to discover. I didn't see you over there. You're in my blind spot. Um, <laughs> While you're gone. And then, you know, these ones are pretty simple too, keeping things as much business as usual as possible and then stay connected while you're gone. And so I was curious, like when I looked at that, those things and put those little things together, I was like, I wonder how Jesus did at this. So we're going to find out. So first we're going to pray, then we'll read this, uh, this scripture. We'll walk through it using this little structure here, and then we'll be done. Let's pray. Almighty God, through your only son, you've overcome death. You've opened up the light of eternity to us. God, we ask that you would meet us here in word and in spirit and speak to us in ways that help us to know you more. Amen. Here we go, John 14. And so the setup actually is a question that takes place right before uh, this first verse. And the question is a pretty simple one. Uh, One of the disciples wants Jesus to answer a question and he wants to know how, if you leave, how will people that come behind us ever know who you are? Right? So that's like the concern of the disciples, and here Jesus answers that question. Jesus answered him, those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I've said these things to you while I'm still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything will remind you of all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I'm coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. The word of the Lord. And so, like I said, Judas, not the Judas who betrayed Jesus, different one. He, he wants to know the answer to this question. How is Jesus going to reveal himself to the world when he's gone? It's still a really important question for us today. He's concerned. Like if Jesus leaves them, how is the world ever going to come to know who Jesus is? It's a great question. And yet you just think about it. Here we are. By the way, this is pretty impressive, all right? Memorial Day weekend with no parking and, like, people braved across those lines with the bikers coming and everything. I'm impressed with this turnout. This is great. Um, but, like, here we are, right? So Jesus clearly had some sort of a plan that, that worked. And we're, we're a small church, and we're re- pretty well represented right now, uh, which is wonderful. So he clearly had a plan. The question is, what was that plan? And the answer is actually the most simple answer in the world. The, the plan was real human relationships, This should help us to kind of pause a little bit to reflect on how it is that we came to know Jesus in the first place. So there's all these like countless studies have been done. I remember one where I was sitting in a room with probably about 100, 150 people and the teacher said something like, all right, he gave us a piece of paper and a pencil and he said, I want you to write down uh, the three most influential sermons that you ever heard. And he gave us five minutes. I I sat there for five minutes. I, I didn't write a single thing down. Do you know how many sermons this guy's heard? Like, I've heard thousands really good ones and some, like, not-so-good ones. Um, I, influential sermons, really? Like, I, I just, I didn't know what to do. I just sat there, my paper was blank. And then he said, 
how, like asked us how everybody did. And I was not the only one. A lot of people had zero. Maybe someone had one or so. I think I might have had one. I remember the first time I heard Rob Bell preach like years and years ago when he was first coming out. I was like, whoa, this, this guy's something unusual. Um, I think maybe I had that on my paper like 20 years ago when he first kind of emerged. And then the two were blank. Then they said, okay, now I want you to the three most influential people. Who are th three people in your life? who helped you to, uh, to know Jesus. You know what my problem was there? I didn't know how to stop at only three. Like, I had three, four, five, six, I keep going, going and going and going, right? Um, and so Jesus' answer is that he's gonna reveal himself to the rest of the world really in the same manner in which Jesus revealed himself the first time. God becoming flesh and blood in Jesus and coming to dwell among us. A huge theme. Welcome, Andrew. A huge theme. Huge theme in the Gospel of John, right? Um, and so, of course, Christians call this the incarnation, God taking on humanity. And Jesus is saying that he's going to be made known today in the same way. When we take on his humanity, when we take on flesh and join Jesus on mission, this is, you know, you just think about this, right? Person to person, friend to friend, teacher to student, mentor to mentee, neighbor to neighbor, uh, real human relationships. This is how Jesus says, I'm gonna, this is how Jesus is going to be revealed uh, to the world. And he's saying that although he's about to leave, the disciples were going to remain. And Jesus would be seen in and through them in and through their words, their deeds of loving service. And so it's like, you just think about these so, so simple, right? When we love and serve one another, the world is watching. The world sees Jesus when the, when, when, when the Christian church lives the way of Jesus. Every act of mercy and compassion, the world sees Jesus. When we offer forgiveness instead of revenge, and we just go on and on with these lists of things that when we live out the way of Jesus in front of the world, the world sees who this Jesus is. And so the body of Christ, you and me, we are Jesus's plan to reach the world. And so he knew because he says he's leaving, his disciples needed to be made ready. They needed to be made ready for mission. And so Jesus sets out to kind of prepare his disciples for leaving. So now let's walk through that list again, Dustin. Here it is. Let's see how Jesus did. All right, we'll give him a grade. I think he did pretty well, by the way. Uh, but we'll see what comes out of the, out of the text. So when we talk about this, the first one, right, isn't it, uh, yeah, talking about it ahead of time. And so the two big things that they say, the experts, and this is, again, they're, they're like super common sense, right? Don't tell them too early and don't tell them too late. And so when you, I was re doing some reading on this, and they say, well, when you tell kids too early that you're leaving, um, it just produces like whiny, clingy kids uh, for like months. And then the parents are destroyed too because they feel so guilty that they're leaving. And then you tell them too late, like the parent who's like packed, they've got their bags, they go to the security line and they take their kid with them. And then they're like, all right, they go through security and wow, the kid freaks out. Um, terrible, like terrible idea. So like there's a, there's a too early and a too late. Okay, like that's probably not, that's an, and that's just gonna ruin your vacation anyway. You know what I mean? So nobody wins. And so, like, when I was looking at it, I'm like, all right, how, how long? What's, what's the right amount of time? Roughly a week, they say, is a good timeline to help prepare kids for your departure. You casually bring it up here and there in the first couple days, and as the week goes on, you talk about it a little bit more and more, and some good helpful advice, right? They say, oh, like, help, let the kid help you pack, or show them a map of where you're going, or involve them in this thing. And then at the end of the week, 
you want to build up whoever the caregiver is that they're going to be staying with and all the awesome things that like the grandparents, like we used to do that all the time, right, with Kathy. So we'd say, all the awesome things that you're going to get to do because she's going to give you like candy and ice cream and <laughs> do all this stuff that the mean old parent is never going to be willing to do. Um, and so you build it up and then boom, you leave and hopefully everybody's happy. And so how did Jesus do with this? He did a pretty good job, right? This isn't the first time that Jesus has tried to prepare his disciples for his departure. It's not the first time. It's actually the last time he's doing it. Um, but he wasn't springing them on him on the last night. He's already tried a couple times to tell him that, that he, he was going to be leaving. Um, and then this is the really fun one, I thought. Did you catch this one? And this is a theme we're going to pick up. Jesus says that they should rejoice that he's leaving. Like, that just... This is not common sense. Like, that just doesn't make sense. What do you mean we're supposed to rejoice that you're leaving? And the disciples are like, huh? Like, this makes no sense. And Jesus says, yeah, you should be rejoicing because things are going to be getting even better. And, and they, they cannot understand this at this point. And so on Pentecost, which I think is like two weeks maybe from today, uh, we're actually going to pick this theme back up because this is a really important theme in the Gospels. How can it possibly be better that Jesus is leaving and that the Spirit is coming? Right? And so we'll pick this one back up. If we deal with it now, it'll take too long. And so the second one is you have to pick a trustworthy caregiver. Like, come on. This is the one. This stuff bothers me to have to read this from experts. Like, we all know this one. Um, but now, try to answer this question. See what you think. According to our passage, who's the caregiver that Jesus entrusts us to? Did anyone catch it? Who's care? Absolutely. This is what Jesus says. He says he's entrusting us to the care of the Spirit. He says God's going to send an advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be with them so that we will not be left alone. So look at that. Jesus does that one. That's pretty cool. He's actually going to do a bunch of these, which I thought was absolutely amazing. He did a pretty good job on three and four, too. He doesn't slip out the door without saying anything. But he doesn't prolong it, either. He has this one really special night with his disciples. And so they know that when Jesus leaves... They're absolutely confident that they will not be left alone. And so that's, that, he did a great job at this part. And so my favorite tip on this one, the thing I probably learned was this idea of uh, preparing your kids for leaving by the, the idea of leaving something behind, like a gift or a note or something to discover, something that's just thoughtful, right? Maybe I'm not that thoughtful. I don't know. Not, not so much? Okay. <laughs> Um, but this is the one that I like, I think I learned something on this one. Like I look back and I'm like, oh, I wish I would have done this better. I wish I would have known about it earlier. Like my kids are older now. So if I say that I'm going on a trip, you guys are probably right there too. Like if, they, if I say I'm going on a trip, they're like, heck yeah. Like, this is going to be great. You see, you guys are right there too. Like Alex Carter, you guys are probably getting there too. Yeah, it's good. Um, so this is too late for me. Like I already, I already messed this one up. Um, but for those with younger kids, like, I think this one's actually really important. So the question is, um, I went back to the text I wanted to see. Did Jesus leave anything behind for his disciples? Did he leave behind a gift, a note, or something special? He did. Anybody? What did he leave? He said, Jesus, yeah, Jesus left them his peace. That's right. It's good. He, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not like the world gives. And so this peace that Jesus leaves for his disciples, it's meant to comfort them, uh, their troubled hearts. They are, they are going to grieve, right? Jesus knows what is coming. And he gives them his peace because he knows that they're going to need it to carry them through uh, the next week, really. 
And so uh, this piece is meant to cover, you know, comfort their troubled hearts. It's meant to give them courage in the face of fear. Um, and I think maybe when you go through this list, there's only one thing that Jesus did not do well at. He didn't do very well at keeping things business as usual. Like, but how could he? Think about what's coming up. This is the night before he's going to be arrested, that he's teaching the disciples that I'm going to be gone. And it's like, there's going to be anything but business as usual for the next week. They'll get there. Uh, but this was like the only one to me that I thought, there's nothing he could do about this one. This, this was a tough one. Um, he was at a little bit of a disadvantage. He knew what was coming, and he's trying to prepare uh, the disciples for that. And so finally, like when we're leaving our kids, we're supposed to stay connected. We're urged to stay connected. Common sense, right? We have all this technology available to us, video, chat, send a letter, bring something home nice. Um, and I was thinking, like, this is probably an area. I wasn't that great at this one. I think looking back, I'd like to have done a better job. But when I look at this text, well, I came to, you know, this is what came to mind. I thought this is where Jesus is the absolute master. This is where he just crushed it on this list. Perfect, right? Everything that there's three promises that I could find that come right out of this text. All three promises are promises of connection, right? And so here they are. First, he says that God's going to make a home in those that love Jesus. Talk about connection. God's going to make a home in those that love him. And so, like, I like this promise a lot. To me, it says that God actually enjoys, wants to be with us, enjoys spending time with us, in us, among us. Um, and so we see this in the incarnation in Christ becoming flesh. And now Jesus promises this remaining presence of God, that God's going to reside in and with us. And so that's pretty, that's connected, and so we're reminded, of course, that Jesus is just as close to us as our next breath. That's a really nice promise and a very nice promise of connection. What about the second one? The second thing that Jesus has promised is he promises that the Holy Spirit, the advocate, is coming soon. Another promise of connection. It reminds us that the Spirit will teach us everything that we need to know about Jesus. That's what he says. Everything that Jesus said and did, the Spirit's job is to remind us of that. It's like the older I get, the more grateful I am for that promise, right? I don't remember things as well as I used to. And finally, Jesus says, he, we went over this one briefly, he gives us his peace to those that he's leaving behind. Another, another really good promise of connection, this peace that only he could give, this comfort uh, in a time of grief that was coming, these disciples would be grieving, uh, this peace that would give them courage in the midst of their fears, Think about the fears of the disciples, the things that they were about to go through. Most of them were thinking, are we going to follow the same fate as our Lord, right? They're going to need this peace and this courage big time. And so Jesus, even by like our modern standards here, he did a really good job of preparing his disciples, by the way, whom he called his children, right? Uh, Jesus did a great job of preparing his children for his departure. Did the best job he could. And when he finished teaching them that night, the thing that they just, they had to know that he's harping on over and over in it. And it's more than just this passage. It's actually going to come for the next couple weeks. When he finishes teaching that night that they knew that they were not going to walk through their challenges and their fears alone. This is what he's trying to communicate. He has to be able to communicate this to them. And so he says, he's like, I may be gone in the flesh, but he tells them that you will remain. The church will remain. The body of Christ remains. Jesus' hands and feet remain. And so when the world sees the church living out the way of Jesus, Jesus will be more fully revealed to those around us. 
And so as we walk the way of Jesus together, we know that we're also never walking alone. We have this promise, this promise, the same promise that Jesus gave his disciples, the promise of real presence, real presence, which gives us peace, comfort, and grief, and courage in the midst of fear. Let's pray. God, you promise your presence. You promise your spirit and your peace. God, all to help better prepare us to send us back out of this place to join you on mission in the world. God, may our loving words and compassionate deeds show the world who you are, that the world might know you more fully. Amen.